this setting, but it's so easy to pray or to listen to a prayer and focus on just what's being said or focus on the person who's saying it. So would you just take a moment, just the best that you know how, just focus on him. Make, make eye contact with him, so to speak. Lord, this morning, it's humbling for us to think about the fact that we get to talk to the Lord Almighty, Yahweh. This morning, Father, we say to you, we welcome your working in our midst today, each of us individually and us corporately. So we invite you to speak to us, share your heart with us, and help us understand, as only you can help us understand, exactly what you want us to hear today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated, if you would, please. Revenge and retaliation. Anybody know what that means? Have you ever, have you ever gotten revenge on someone? Or tried to? Yeah, the rest of you are just not telling the truth. <laughs> As most of you know, when I was a young buck, back in the dark ages, I uh, took over a grocery store and I was 30 years old, full of myself, aggressive, and was ready to really set the world on fire, so I got very aggressive about my pricing. And I wanted to compete. People were driving 13 miles to the next town to shop in a much larger store. So I paid attention to the things that people noticed, like flour and sugar and milk and coffee and those kinds of things. And uh, got aggressive about my pricing. And the other stores in town and the next little town were not happy about it. So Mr. Matlock, I don't recall that I ever met Mr. Matlock, but we knew each other. We saw each other and he put a sign out front of his store that was on the main highway that went through our town. And it said, skim milk, 99 cents. I couldn't even buy it that cheap. So he was retaliating against me. So I got all my box boys, gave them a handful of money and said, go buy all that 99 cent milk. <laughs> and then I sold it for a dollar nine. The guy in the next town didn't do anything overtly, but he was pretty upset with me. So I went to see him one day and and uh, said, I just thought I'd sit down and talk to you and get to meet you. We serve the same area. And, oh, gosh, he was, he was mad. He was not gracious to me at all. You hit me, I'll hit you back. Only I'll hit you back harder. That's kind of our motto, isn't it? 
So I want to read Matthew chapter 5. This is one of the most difficult passages in the Bible. Loving your enemies may be the most difficult, but this one is right up there with it. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 38. If you don't have a Bible, there's one under the seat there, page 970. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, swallow this one. Do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. We would say that like if he wants your shirt, give him your coat too. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow money from you. Jesus was pretty radical, wasn't he? But that's how he treats us. So how can I possibly treat people the way that God treats me? That's really, if you back up and look at that, that's really what that's, what that's getting at. Now here's how it works with God. We're naturally evil. And at some point, we begin to recognize that, and so we try and get better and better and better and better, and finally God accepts us, right? No. <laughs> no, it's called grace. He doesn't meet us halfway. He meets us all the way. He came and loved us while we were still sinners, offers us forgiveness, offers us mercy, acts toward us in grace before anything changes in our life. Don't ever get over that. That's how God treats us. Romans 5, verses 6 and 8 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It was by grace you have been saved. Don't ever get over that. So in terms of our relationships with people, I want to put this in a way that I hope is interesting and that you'll get. We have two options. The first is we can do what comes naturally. Jesus began by saying, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's, that's doing what comes naturally. You come after me, I'm going to come after you. You do something to me, I'm going to do something to you. Someone hurts you some way, you're going to pay for that. That's what comes naturally. One of my uh, granddaughters used to bite kids in the nursery when she was a couple, two years old. Guess what that brings? 
Maybe she was biting in response. I don't know. She did it first or second. A junior high boy is going to take a punch, right? No. A junior high boy is going to punch back. That's what comes naturally. I remember I went to a new school when I was in the third grade. And uh, this guy, I don't remember why, but I was the new guy, so he decided that he was going to whoop up on me. And I was on the way home from school, and we got in a fight and rolled around in the grass. And he knew all the kids, so there were probably about 10 kids around cheering him on. And I got home and told my brother what happened. He says, let's go find him. <laughs> right? That's what comes naturally. If you're in a football game and somebody's playing dirty, you walk over to the referee and say, hey, that guy's picking on me. Right? No. <laughs> no, you get your buddy who's standing next to you to help you take him down. If someone divorces you, what do you do? You get the meanest lawyer in town. <laughs> Several years ago, I may have mentioned this, I don't recall. Uh, when we were building the new building at Faith Chapel, there was a big, nice, big article in the paper about it. And it was very nicely done, very complimentary. And, and then there's a place below, if you look at the online paper, there's a place below for comments. I think they've changed this, I'm not sure, but you can comment without identifying who you are. So you can say whatever you want without any consequences. So I saw the nice article in the paper and I started to read the comments and I read, I don't know, maybe four or five and I shut it off. Why? Because I wanted to kill somebody. Man, they were just Stan Simmons this and Stan Simmons that and his Armani glasses, whatever those are, I don't know, but I had them apparently. And <laughs> Come on, Peaches. Is that your phone? Yeah, my daughter's ready to have a baby phone. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Turn it down, please. Thank you. Wish your, wish your luck, though. So I wanted to get them back, but I decided that that wasn't the most constructive thing to do. You've seen rants on Facebook. Somebody says something, then somebody says something back, and it's all this public stuff going on, and it just doesn't work very well. So I, I have an illustration this morning. I hope it doesn't blow up on me. <laughs> I need your help. Now stand about, about a foot back. <laughs> Both feet. <laughs> and when I pour lighter fluid in there, I want you to throw a mat, light a match and throw it in there, okay? No, just one. Okay. No, go ahead. And I'll just keep pouring five pouring gas on it. Okay. Now the point is this. You know, I'm not done with you yet. 
if you pour fire on fire, the fire just keeps going, right? Okay, now... Oops. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Now, the obvious point is, I'm done with you now, thank you. It wasn't, it wasn't good, was it? Do not be overcome by evil. If someone acts in an evil way toward you, and you act in an evil way toward them, what does it do? It adds fuel to the fire. But overcome evil with good. So if you've got evil and you put good with evil, what happens? Overcome, overcome evil with good. We all know that verse, but the question is, do we believe that verse? Because that's why we have a difficult time with this passage of Scripture. So we can do what nat comes naturally. What comes naturally is you hit me, I hit you back, I pay you back in kind. And it just intensifies the struggle. Or secondly, we can do what comes supernaturally. And the only way that this can come is supernaturally. Jesus finishes that statement and says, But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. That's not natural. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. That's not natural. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from you the one who wants to borrow from you. That's not natural. So Jesus gives us an alternate alternative to revenge. Am I willing to be embarrassed or inconvenienced in the hope that another person may be influenced to follow Jesus? Now please just let that statement just sink into your core. Why would I respond good for evil? Because I care more about that person's eternal life than I care about my pride and inconvenience. Why do we hit back? Usually it's pride. And it comes from the old nature. Is it possible for me to turn the other cheek? Is it possible for me to give my coat in addition to my shirt? Is it possible to go the extra mile? Is it possible to give generously? Maybe even when a person doesn't deserve it. Supernaturally. And because I care about that person more than I care about my pride. That's the point. And do I believe that God will defend me though I don't defend myself? I think 
the hyperbole that Jesus speaks in there is an exaggeration to make a point. And the point is that if we love people who don't love us, it should stun them. Nobody acts like that. Nobody would do that. And possibly soften their heart. If you haven't seen the movie Les Miserables, I encourage you to see it. It's one of the greatest examples that I know of. Who is the strongest? The tough guy who is determined to win? Or the person who decides not to react? Which takes the most strength? Making peace is more difficult than making war. Loving someone who is intent on hating me and maybe even hurting me, loving them is the strongest position to take, not the weakest position to take. You say, well, gosh, Pastor, that just doesn't sound right. Well, it doesn't sound right because we play by a different set of rules. I brought cards into the house of the Lord. That used, that used to shock people when, when you would do that. So, let me ask you a question. Victor, are those cord cards in the right order? Yep, going from right to left, yes. Okay. What if I told you that this was the right order. Depends on which game you're playing. See, in Pinochle, the 10 is bigger than the king. Most card games, the 10 isn't bigger than the king. So if you don't play by the rules of this game, you could play a king thinking you're going to beat a 10, but you're not. You've got to play the 10. We as followers of Jesus play by a different set of rules. It might seem like at times we're losing when we're actually winning. Uh, Again, I want to reinforce that statement I just read a moment ago. The highest goal of my life, the purpose of my life, is to follow Jesus and influence others to follow him. The highest purpose of my life is not to win in every relational contest. In fact, sometimes I may appear to be losing, but be winning. The greatest example of this, of course, is Jesus Christ on the cross. I mean, just just stop and think for a minute. He's being beaten. He's being brutalized. He's being mocked. I know what I would have been tempted to do. Do you know who I am? I can snuff you in a heartbeat. And he could have. Why didn't he? 
because he was concerned about the souls of those that were tormenting him and those for every generation beyond. He was paying the price. He appeared to be losing for their sake so that they could be saved. He had a higher purpose in mind. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. My friend Rob Griggs has this on his license plate. He's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He changed me. The old is gone. The new has come. I'm a new creation. In other words, I don't, at my best, I don't respond naturally. I respond supernaturally. Why? Because God has changed my heart. I'm not perfect at it yet. But the idea is that, you know, there's the saying that what goes in must come out, right? If it goes in, it's going to come out. But for us, when evil comes toward us, all things have become new. I am a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So when evil comes, my heart changes that and good comes out on our best days when we're living by the Spirit. We're different. He calls us to live supernaturally. So notice on the screen these statements. Turn the other cheek. If they take your shirt, give them your coat. Go the extra mile. Give to the one who asks. And then the next set is Luke's version of the same thing. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now what we have to come to grips with is we didn't just make those things up. Jesus said those things. Again, I, I think it's hyperbole, exaggeration to make a point. I'm not saying that a, you know, a husband who smacks his wife is justified in doing so, anything, anything of the kind. But what I'm saying is if we add evil to evil, it just brings more evil. But if we bring good to evil, then there's a possibility that that person would be so shocked that they would change their mind. That's what happened with Jesus on the cross. Listen to these words by Peter. For finally, all of you live in, harm live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Remember who's saying these words. This is the guy who pulled the sword in the garden and cut off the ear of the high priest's slave. He's different now. 
Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceitful speech. He must turn from good and evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Peter was different when he wrote those words. He was following the example of Jesus. The old had become new. Paul says, and Paul was a pretty tough cookie too. He's throwing Christians in jail. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. That particular verse, I think, saved me at a very critical time in my life when more than I could have ever imagined, people that I had loved and had cared for for many years began speaking evil of me. One person in particular was on a campaign. And I would receive emails and somebody would see something on Facebook and they would say, tell me it isn't so. And the only response I gave was, it isn't so. I'm not saying that to applaud myself. I'm saying that I've experienced this. That I said probably, I don't know how many times, God watches. God watches. And I want to say to you, ultimately, you don't need to defend yourself. God watches. Well, well, pastor, it doesn't seem like it's looking really good right now. I know the feeling. But God watches. I will repay, says the Lord. And what I said to the Lord in prayer many times was, Lord, this sure doesn't seem right. But I believe you. If they deserve to pay, then you know how to do that. I don't. I took a hit. Seemed like it was going for the worst for me, but in the end, God watches. Remember the story, some of you, where <clears throat> I was in trouble for something I didn't do, and my dad went to the judge's office with me. If I would have only gone on my own, I know what the outcome would have been. The judge would not have believed me. But my dad went with me and pled my case, and the judge dropped the case. Our Father, our Father. It's not that we say, because I went through this, God, get them. <laughs> get them, Lord. No, it's, Lord, if they deserve to pay, I've, I acknowledge my wrongdoing, and if they deserve to pay, I, I know that you're able to do that. But that's not my place. It's a change of heart. 
It's a change of saving your pride, inconvenience, for the sake of another person's soul. I don't want evil for that other person. I want good for that person. It's a test, isn't it? It's a real test. So who are you going to let fight for? Are you going to fight for yourself? Or are you going to let the Lord defend you? So my assumption this morning is there's probably some instance in your life right now where, where you, something wants to rise up in you You'll pay for that. Overcome evil with good. Pray for the other person. Pray for their redemption. Pray that they would see the truth. Pray that you would see where you are wrong. And pray that God would defend you if you need to be defended. Not so you can get the other person, but so that right will be done. So bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute, if you would, please. And I would just ask, who? Who? Who in your life right now are you tempted to retaliate toward? Instead of retaliating, could I encourage you to pray and ask God to change your heart from using the devil's tactics to praying for that person's soul. You may go through a time where you appear to be losing, but in the end, if you do the right thing, God will justify what you're doing. Lord, if there's any unforgiveness in us, if there's anything in us that wants to see somebody pay, Lord, would you just remind us what you did for us? That your grace drew us. We, we didn't come to you out of fear. We came to you because you loved us. Help us be gracious. Help us be merciful. Help us be forgiving. And Lord, we just acknowledge to you this morning, it's a, tr it's a stretch at times for us because we don't see immediate results. But Lord, we pray for that person's soul that somehow by your response they would come to know you. Their hearts would be softened. I want to ask this morning if there's anybody here who has not yet received Jesus. Maybe you're one of those people who has thought, I can't be good enough. And I want to say to you, no, you can't be good enough. You can't be good enough for God to accept you. But the good news is that Jesus Christ died for your sins. He doesn't want you to pay. He paid for you. He's just asking that you would accept his hand of love and allow him to begin to lead your life forgive you. If you haven't done that yet, but you'd like to today, would you just look up at me? I won't embarrass you. Just look up at me and hold up your hand. Your hand would be saying, Pastor, today I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm giving my life to the Lord today. 